Hello, and welcome to this episode of Triggered and True, featuring renowned emotional health consultant, Laura Duncan. Thank you for being here, and thank you for investing the time to learn how to take care of your soul. If this podcast sparks any questions, feel free to submit a question by going to triggeredandtrue.com, scrolling to the bottom of the page, and clicking ask. If you would like to learn more about Laura Duncan, we encourage you to follow Laura on Instagram and Facebook. Also, a great resource for you to consider is the Compassion Method Master Course. This course is a deep dive into Laura's life work, the Compassion Method. The Compassion Method is a process that empowers you to learn to see and comfort your internal pain and to discover your true self, your true self, that beautiful, wonderful part of you that has been there all along, but has simply been covered up. To obtain the Master Course, go to CompassionMethod.net and as a podcast listener, you qualify for a $50 discount that can be obtained by typing in the coupon code PODCAST50. Again, that's CompassionMethod.net, coupon code PODCAST50. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Triggered and True. In this episode, Laura and I discuss learning to feel your pain and learning to feel your joy at the same time. And we talk some about the neuroscience of how pain and joy travel on the same circuits in our brain. So if you're suppressing pain, you're also suppressing your ability to feel joy. All of us were made to experience joy, but what's gotten in the way is our inability to comfort our pain, which is blocking our ability to be able to experience joy to that level. We'll talk a lot about that today, as well as be giving you some great resources of how to continue on your journey, your healing journey. Thank you for joining us. Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of Triggered and True. Today's episode, we're going to be keying in on pain and joy and why you must learn to feel them both. People might be thinking, what do you mean I need to learn how to feel pain? Well, there's a certainty in life. And uh, this is something that I shared with my daughter on her uh, wedding day when I gave the father of the bride speech. This is part of what I shared. And I talked to them about how uh, throughout life, there's going to be moments. You know, life, obviously for them, there has not been a lot of routine because they're young. And when you're young, you're moving around a lot. Everything seems new and fresh. And when you're young, it's like, uh, you know, you have all those milestone birthdays that kind of pile up right on you, like 16 and 18 and 21, and things are just really happening. And then as you get older, it gets to be a little bit more of a routine. Life becomes more of a routine in a lot of, a lot of situations. But along the way, there'll come moments that will interrupt that routine. And some of those moments will take your breath away. And unfortunately, since we live in a world that is not as it should be, some of those take away your breath moments will be exceedingly painful, but some of them will also be exceedingly joyful. True. Sometimes they'll come almost in the same package. You can even experience both practically at the same time. So the full measure of the joyful ones cannot be felt without also feeling and comforting the full measure of the painful ones. Yeah. So that's really what we're getting at when we say pain and joy, you must learn to feel both. Because if you can't learn how to feel and comfort the pain, you're also going to be robbing yourself of the ability to feel and experience joy. Yep, exactly. So there's a scientific explanation for this as well. So I'll let Laura 
kind of explain that part? Do you want to explain the yeah, science behind definitely. this? Yeah, the neuroscience behind it is in the same pathway that we experience pain, we experience joy. So what that means is when you suppress your pain, which we're all doing, even myself, even though I understand pain, I understand the the purpose of pain is helping us recognize our wound and being able to take care of it. And that's actually a beneficial opportunity, but still avoiding pain. So either that suppression or avoidance of pain is also suppressing and avoiding joy. And when we suppress pain, we're no longer able to feel joy to the extent that we're meant to feel joy. And similar to what Brian was saying, as we grow older, it's very common as we continue to suppress pain to feel like we don't have joy in our life. You know, most adults I talk to, a lot of adults I talk to don't have a lot of joy in their life. But almost every time when I work with a client and they say, I just can't play, I don't have joy, I can't connect to happiness or any of those things, almost always there's a very large wound that's been being suppressed and the pain that's being suppressed has kept them from being able to feel that. Even with like very legitimate situations, like for example, a daughter getting married, you know, that should be a joyful thing. But because of not taking care of the pain, it's simultaneously sometimes having pain connected to the experience that we're supposed, not supposed to, but many times we're meant to enjoy, have joy during those times. We don't experience that because of the pain we've suppressed. Wouldn't you say that to some level, Every single human being on the planet, as they grow older, it's a little bit harder and harder for them to connect with joy versus when they were kids. For sure. I mean, you go to a playground anywhere in the U.S. You, or anywhere, you go to a playground, you just see kids running around playing. You don't often see adults doing that. You know, you don't see that same joy, passion, creativity, wonder. You know, many adults are just sitting there on their phones or sitting there doing nothing and not connecting to their emotions. Now, one might say, well, but Laura, you kind of just grow out of playing on a playground. You know, <laughs> your, your body doesn't let you go across the monkey bars like it like it used to. Um, but it doesn't play doesn't have to look like playing on a jungle gym. It doesn't have to look like playing on a uh, but it could. jungle gym, but it could. it could. So even saying that, like, oh, adults can't do that. But technically... Adults can play on a playground. And technically, if you if you played on a playground every day for a month, you'd be pretty good at playing on a playground no matter how old you were, <laughs> no matter how functional you were. You know, I mean, anyone could do it. I'm not saying that that is the avenue that people need to experience joy, but we can do a lot more than we think we can do. And we limit ourselves, again, based on limiting our access to our pain. We limit our access to being able to believe that we can play and be free in that way. So really what's happening is as as we go through life and encounter all these things in life because the world is not as it should be pain kind of pain and unmet need really just kind of stack up is what you're yeah. saying. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Compounded pain that's not been dealt with. Yep. Had a good conversation with someone uh recently on a trip and um we were talking about drinking actually and um he kind of recognized that I didn't drink and he started asking me questions about that. And one of the things I said to him, is I said, we're sitting on the edge of the swimming pool. And I said, look around at these kids here. They are absolutely having a blast. Yeah. And do they need any stimulus? Do they need any, anything to help them have a good time? And I said for myself, 
alcohol was definitely something that helped me have a, a good time, helped me probably connect more to that childlike side of me. Yeah. However, it came with a really bad um, side effect or afterburn or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it came with some serious baggage. Yeah. Serious baggage. That fun that it helps bring up inside of you can cost you something. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly cost me something. And I said what I realized, you know, probably I'm thinking how many years before I even met you, practically 13, 14 years before I even met you, I realized that that cost was more damaging than the value that it, that it was receiving. However, yeah. even back then I knew I'm like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a way to connect with that fun without needing something like that to help me get there. Mm-hmm. And then when I started learning the compassion method, I, I realized, you know, what the root of the issue, the alcohol was just numbing, explain what it was doing, you know, neuroscience wise, the alcohol was just what numbing my pain. It's just numbing your pain, which allows you to be able to sometimes be more yourself because you're not having that pain be a barrier between your true self and being able to, you know, in that suppression of pain, you're not able to connect with yourself ultimately. And as you connect with the compassion method in a brain way, you're able to connect with your pain. And in doing so, you reconnected with play. You reconnected with your true self. You reconnected with what um, joy looked like for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the the cool thing about this is that what we're talking about is something that's just a shared human experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's adults don't play like children. It's tons of scientific studies. They smile less. They laugh less. They do all these things so much less than children. Yeah. But I believe we were meant to live like a child in that way, mm-hmm. in that joy, our entire life. Yes, I fully agree with that. That might be expressed differently for each person based on their personality, based on how they ex- connect with joy. But everyone in their own way is meant to be experiencing joy on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, not on a once a year, twice a year, three times a year and similar to what you said, stimulated by food or stimulated by alcohol or stimulated by entertainment, it should be that we could be able to connect with that just because we're connected to who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so much of what we talk about on the podcast is centered around learning to comfort pain, learning to feel our pain, learning to let that pain come and mm-hmm. different ways to provide comfort. The remote control exercise is a process that helps with that. And along the way in the remote control exercise, there's introducing the 10 gifts and connecting to the things that, that, um, that, that we're needing. And what I found kind of for myself personally, as I was going through this process is that it was a side effect. The side effect was I was actually starting to connect with joy in some moments. Mm -hmm. And I realized also how scared I was of joy. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you want to just talk a little bit about like why joy can be so scary? Yeah, I actually stumbled upon um, a group. So I was 
working with a group of women and we were going to do, I was going to teach about joy triggers. And I set up a bunch of different stations of, you know, flowers and poetry and music and different things to be able to help stimulate people to connect with their true self and to be able to connect with joy. And they were going to go around to each station. They were going to write out how it made them feel and how they connected with it, and potentially a memory connected with it as well, because we were connecting it with early childhood development. And I was all excited about it. I thought it'd be a really fun night. And it would be, you know, everyone's going to connect with joy and everyone's going to be happy. And we're going to, you know, it's going to be a great time. And that was the case for some people. Um, but for many people, it actually triggered them and this, and as a pain trigger, not a joy trigger. And they were in, ended up feeling frustrated or they ended up feeling um, like they couldn't connect and they went into their amygdala, into their fight or fight part of their brain. And they were having a very difficult time and being very triggered. Um, one woman even um, left because she couldn't handle it anymore. And I'm kind of looking around going, this is not what I expected. I thought I was going to create this really beautiful evening and everyone was going to connect with their hearts. But as they sim simultaneously connected with joy, they were simultaneously, excuse me, as they were connecting with joy, they were simultaneously connecting with their pain and their pain was servicing to the same degree that joy was coming up. And it was such a interesting dynamic to see what you just would expect. It, would, it didn't make any sense to my brain, but as I studied the neuroscience of it, when we experience joy because of the expectation of joy, because of our early childhood development relationship with joy, because of past disappointments, because of the pain that's connected to the joy that we're experiencing, many of us can't differentiate between the pain and the joy and the moment of being triggered, whether that's a joy trigger or a pain trigger. And so that actually led me to realize what I was saying in the beginning, that that pain that we're suppressing is directly connected to our ability to not only feel joy, but to receive joy, to invite it in, to experience it. One of the examples I would give is when people have um, high levels of success. A lot of people blow their lives up when they're very successful because they can't handle success or they get very scared of it and they um, intentionally or unintentionally sabotage their success because they can't handle what they're feeling and how it's triggering them. And in our logical brain, our adult brain, we look at that, we say, why would you not want success? Why would you not want to reach your goals and to financially succeed and to or shouldn't you know, shouldn't you be happy because you've yeah, arrived exactly right? yeah you've, you've arrived. arrived you went to school you sacrificed so much you you know did so many things to get to this place and now we have this moment that's time for the party instead of celebration there's dread and instead of celebration there's actually pushing away of success instead of embracing it and celebrating it and acknowledging it the way that it was meant to be acknowledged because there's just as much pain connect, connected to success if we haven't taken care of our pain that comes up in, in those moments of success. And I would say that for me, it, it's similar-ish. Like I don't want to let myself feel good mm -hmm. because I'm afraid of the letdown. I'm afraid yep. that, but really, if you think about what, what I'm afraid of and what this person that you just described that had this success, what really what they're afraid of is they know they live on planet earth. This isn't going to last. Yeah. These joyful moments, you're not going to live there forever. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, a, alcohol, drug abuse can give you that false hope that you can live there forever. Like you can mm -hmm. escape reality. 
or you can actually even escape reality through a video game, a movie, you know, whatever, whatever your thing is to help escape religion. I mean, there's so many different ways we can escape reality. But for me, what the dread was is that that pain was hopeless, Hmm. that there was no, that pain, that pain would eventually come and it would just be debilitating or it just was hopeless. I mean, and this is happening so much on a subconscious level. It's not like this is, uh, it's usually yeah. not like high trauma. It's like operating just at a low level frequency yep. in your, in your, in your being yeah. just like, it's almost like at a cellular level, there's you're being whispered to don't, don't let it go too far. Mm-hmm. It's not going to last. Yeah. And it's, it's really not until going through this process that it's coming to a conscious level for me. Yeah, And I recognize, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is my pattern. But the big difference is now is that I know this process, this compassion method process where I'm learning it. I don't know it. I'm learning it. Um, I'm, I'm learning that there is hope mm-hmm. in the pain. In the pain, exactly. Not just that, in the joy, there's hope in the pain. But to me, the most important thing is to know there's hope in the pain Yep. because that's what I'm, I'm not scared of the joy. I'm scared mm-hmm. that it's not going to last. You're scared of what goes up must come down. Yes. <laughs> so if I feel joy to the fullness that I want to, or know that I could feel joy. That it's going to f- cost me something. Exactly. <laughs> then on the flip side, I'm going to feel pain just to that degree. And it's going to knock the wind out of me. And The yin gonna, and the yang thing. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And so that self-protection is, I'm only going to feel joy to a certain degree so that the pain won't feel as big either. Which is, which is you know, an illusion in and of itself. It is an illusion. You're still going to feel your pain, whether you want to feel it or not, whether you suppress it or not, you're still going to feel your pain. And you just got to work that much harder to ignore it or Mm -hmm. suppress it or whatever. But the the hope I have is that I know that I can let that pain come up and I can, that there's comfort for that pain. Comfort exists. Yes. And when it starts to become an opportunity, you can embrace pain in the same way we embrace joy. We're supposed to equally embrace the pain, the opportunity of pain and the opportunity of joy. But again, because of that discomfort that pain brings and our inability to process it or to understand it, we stay stuck in it or we stay stuck avoiding it, which is still staying stuck in it. Mm -hmm. And what a beautiful thing. Every time you face pain, we're meant to experience joy. Remember what the kind of simple model of the compassion method is, feel your pain, get Mm -hmm. comfort, go feel joy, go play. Mm-hmm. And it's actually meant to be happening simultaneously at the same time, because the neuroscience of it is, it is happening simultaneously. We're just not aware of it. Because if I'm doing like putting my hands over my eyes and saying, if I can't see you pain, you're not there, pain's still there. And then if we do the same thing with joy, because we're afraid to experience it, we're putting our hands over our eyes saying, I can't see joy, joy's not there. But joy's there, fully available to us. And pain is there. And this sounds funny, but fully available to us. The opportunity of pain is that if I feel my pain, I will get comfort. And when I get comfort, my wound will be satisfied. And as a byproduct, joy will come up and I will experience joy in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think from that standpoint, it's hard to think of pain as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's our exactly whole entire lives, it has been a, a 
a predator. That's why we go into fight or flight. It's been an enemy. It's been a monster. It's been 20 feet tall. It's going to overcome us. It's going to, again, like I said earlier, knock the wind out of us because it feels so big and so unable to connect with. But the more we connect with our pain, because the only way out is through the pain. And when we go through the pain, like you're walking through a hallway of pain and you feel the emotions of pain and the and physically, mentally, emotionally feeling that pain. And as you feel the pain, it accesses and we're able to connect with comfort. And that is the opportunity. Pain in itself without comfort does not produce joy. But pain, when we fully feel it, and to the degree you sit in your pain and feel it, when you let that pain hit those high numbers where you feel like you're going up to an eight or a nine or even a 10 in pain, to the same degree that you feel pain, you're going to feel comfort. You're going to feel a 10 in comfort. But to feel safe enough and to start to have the history and the trust within ourselves to understand and believe and connect with comfort is really the part that keeps us from embracing pain. If we, once we experience comfort to the degree that we're feeling pain, we start to believe in comfort. But if mm -hmm. we've only felt pain to such a high degree, and we've never felt comfort. We don't believe in comfort. Hmm. Well, and we also would have zero confidence in our own ability yes, to provide the comfort. Very key. When people start the compassion method, because the compassion method is facilitating you to find your comfort, whether it be yourself or be gift givers, being able to find comfort for yourself. But if your brain already decides, I can't feel pain and I can't get comfort, we've already unable, we've already started to be unable to comfort it before we've even begun. And if we don't believe in the comfort, why would you want to feel pain? Because that's just going to hurt you with no resolve. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think in that way, the word I would use to describe the compassion method is it's empowering. It's extremely empowering. empowering. Yeah. It's so funny that at first it feels, it doesn't feel empowering because we're like, I don't know how to do this. Well, this because you're difficult. saying that mm -hmm. the comfort does not come from an external source. Exactly. That is the empowering moment when you finally realize I can receive But, but it's all not empowering at first because you want no. that comfort to come <laughs> exactly. from somewhere. Like, yeah, there's like a real if, if you think about it, you know, you go to people, go to a therapist, which is great. Love it. But the therapist ultimately isn't going to provide you comfort in that sense. You know, it could, it could I suppose, in a codependent way, but that that work on the inside has to be done by you. Yep. Yep. No matter how the great the therapist a person can't jump meeting. inside of you and do the work for you. You know nope. what I'm saying? It's always going to be like we, we talk about happiness as an inside job. Being able to recognize your pain and get comfort is an inside job, not an outside job. You can pull resources from outside to be able to bring comfort like we do with gift givers. And potentially that therapist you're meeting with could be a gift giver to you in that way. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, no matter how great of people you have in your life in whatever capacity that they're influencing you and bringing comfort or love to you, it's only going to get inside of your heart to the degree that you're able to give it to yourself. Well, I hope that you know, one thing I hope as, as the listeners are listening is that if they haven't listened to other podcasts or engage something like the master class or master course or anything like that, um, the compassion method master course that teaches you, that mm -hmm. is the teaching. And so many of our other episodes teach you in bits yeah. and pieces too, 
how to actually bring that comfort. Yeah. And that application is so key. You know, I, I love that we have so many listeners enjoying our content and I think that's great. And that is bringing a level of awareness and a level of healing, but to fully be able to receive the healing and to be able to see the opportunity of your pain being recognized and comforted, it will come from application mm-hmm. without application, without actually applying the comfort, our pain stays inside of us. And we continue to have triggers, even if we understand pain, even if we understand what a trigger is, until we actually apply comfort, we'll still be stuck there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I find as people go deeper into the content, there starts to be a, maybe a little bit of like, maybe frustration or, you know, not sure, like, okay, how do I actually apply this? And meeting with me or meeting with another compassion consultant is obviously a very great way to be able to do that. But you can also self-learn through the master course how to apply it for yourself. And that's really important to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think that had I not done, you know, for going on five years into this process. Um, wow, it's had been I, had, that long. It's yeah. Had I not done that that work, I know that, you know, on, on my daughter's wedding day, Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced in my life. Wow. That and makes me so happy because I know that's directly connected to it's the not because it was, heart. It's not because it was a perfect day. Mm-mm. I mean, in my mind, it was perfect, but yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of little things that didn't happen as they should be as, as, yeah, anyone as all weddings are. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and I know that my ability to experience that joy was related to mm-hmm. the ability to to comfort pain. Yeah, and definitely. You would not have been able to access that, even if you wanted to, even if you willed yourself to, even if you woke up that morning of your daughter's wedding and said, right, exactly. no matter what happens today, I'm going to feel joy. You would not have been able to because your pain, especially on a very triggering day like a wedding, you know, most people that parents especially are people very close to the bride or groom they have a miserable day on the wedding day because so many triggers are coming up and they can't get ahead of them and they're just getting triggered by the smallest things to the biggest things that they can't actually enjoy one of those catalytic days like a wedding yeah and uh Forgetting the order of who walked down or whoever, what was supposed mm-hmm. to happen, I, the, the bubbles were in the wrong spot or whatever, <laughs> whatever the scenario was, yeah. you know, and obviously we know that when someone gets really triggered by that, it's not really about the bubbles. No. It's no. pressing on something that goes much, much, much Exactly. Deeper. But the bubbles can ruin the whole day mm-hmm. because of the pain and the wound that it's connected to. So we can say it's just bubbles. Don't let it ruin your whole day. But that is the evidence of pain that hasn't been taken care of that can come up and sabotage what's meant to be a very special time. And I just am really personally happy for you, Brian, that you were able to work through that. And, you know, like there's probably things that were difficult and challenging, like you said, but you were still able to have joy on that day. And that's really amazing. Yeah, no, I was. And, um, and you were able to have joy without even alcohol because you don't even drink. So yeah, it's like right. cool that you're able to have such a fun day. And, you know, I don't know if you danced or if you participated, but I imagine you were able to really be there and be present for your daughter. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, at the same time that the, 
you know, we talked a little bit about this at the beginning too, how pain and joy actually can coexist in the same moment. Mm-hmm. The, the same, the joy trigger can also yeah. be a pain trigger. Yep. Same exact moment. Yep. And, and, and I guess an example of that would be when you think about, okay, my daughter, you know, and then she moved away. So it's kind of like, okay, she's leaving. Yeah. You know, so there was the, there, there was the pain of that, you know, she's moving Mm -hmm. 13 hours away and so there's definitely the pain of that. Yeah. And at the same time though, the joy of, you know, just the moment and and life. Exactly. Yeah. And you were able to hold both of those in your hand and not let one overshadow the other. Yeah. And I think that's the same way when someone passes, there's, um, there's a joy of celebrating their life and Mm -hmm. all of the remembering the moments that you had Mm -hmm. with them. Uh, in my belief system, there's the joy that they're, they're in a better place that they're in, Yeah, you know, um, and there's also the, uh, the pain obviously of the moment. So, Mm -hmm. and it's important to let yourself feel all of it. Yep, exactly. You know, what I did with my kids, I think I share this in the grief one, but um, when my kids were going through grief and myself as well, we would play um, the emotion game. And this is even before I really understood the compassion method and was um, actually walking in it. But I had the feeling like we need to feel everything. So we would drive in the car and I would say, okay, what are we feeling today? And they could do happy, they could do sad, they could do anything. Like I didn't want it to be limited to just pain emotions because I felt like that could just kind of swallow them up. And I wanted them to be able to feel whatever they were feeling. And that was one of the things I taught them. You can be really sad that your daddy's not here and you can be really happy because you got a new toy. You can have both happening simultaneously. And that really helped them be able to be free to not feel like they were supposed to feel certain things. Even at such young ages, they felt like they were supposed to be sad to all the time. their dad. Yeah, exactly. Like all the time. They should be sad all the time. And if they were happy, it was actually bad or wrong. And like you being, weren't honoring his memory because you're exactly. Happy. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Mm. And so they would get a new toy, you know, they're little at the time, they get a new toy and they felt like they couldn't enjoy it because they were supposed to be sad. And I really wanted them to know, like I want all of you that are listening to know, it's okay to have both. It's okay to feel extremely sad and it's okay to be extremely happy or joyful. And those are both honoring in death, but also in any painful event that we've had in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, for for homework and kind of how I wanted to wrap up today's um, episode was to have the listeners focus on practicing feeling. Mm-hmm. But yeah. one thing I'll say is that if you have not learned how to bring comfort, mm-hmm. what what I'm asking is a very very scary thing to practice yeah, feeling your, and practice feeling your pain specifically and joy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which in my brain, I'm th- I'm thinking that you're never going to get to the joy part till you get through the pain part first. Am I right mm-hmm. in that? Ultimately, yes. I mean, yeah. we get kind of like glimpses and we get little tastes of it, but to feel the fullness of joy, yeah, it comes from being able to feel the fullness of our pain. Yeah, yeah. So the what would you say to someone that you know when they think about okay, practice feeling? So when my anxiousness comes up when my anxieties rise up or just when my fears come, you mean I'm supposed to just let them come? Yes. I mean, 
like you were saying, Brian, you definitely would want to go back to some of the podcasts to learn the remote control exercise and learn different processes we can do. So we're not just stuck feeling and not knowing what to do with it. But if you've been following along in the journey and you've been doing some of the processes and you're starting to feel safer connecting to your pain, then a great homework would be to be able to set a timer for five minutes every day. And all those five minutes, it's not for fixing, it's not for healing, it's not for even applying the compassion method or anything. I mean, you can be compassionate with yourself and what you're feeling in those five minutes, but that's not the goal. The goal is just to give your heart the space and permission to be able to feel whatever your heart wants to feel for five minutes. We compartmentalize so strong because we're so scared of pain that we allow ourselves to feel certain pains and we don't allow ourselves to feel feel certain pains. Anxiety, like you said, is a scary thing to feel because it feels like it's just going to overtake us in a lot of ways. But anxiety is actually a messenger. If we open the door of anxiety and we walk through it, that we'd find sad, we'd find tender, we'd find helpless, we'd find so many other emotions waiting to be felt that we haven't allowed ourselves to feel because we were so scared of the anxiety and making space for the anxiety that we keep that door locked and bolted and shut and we never walk through it to find the other emotions that are on the other side, both painful and joyful emotions. So feeling anxiety and being with yourself in it and letting yourself, your heart know it's okay to feel anxious. Think about a little child that's anxious to go to school because they're scared and they, it's unknown and they don't know what to do. And when you say, don't be anxious, everything's going to be fine. It doesn't make the child feel better. It's not necessarily very compassionate. <laughs> no, it's not very compassionate. and It doesn't help comfort the anxiety. But if you say it's okay to be anxious, tell me more. Mm-hmm. Tell me your story. Tell me what feels anxious to you. What feels scary? Is your heart beating? Does your, your jaw feel tight? What are you feeling? And you actually connect with and let them feel it. And you're with them in it. It allows them to feel safer and safer to feel the anxiety. It's no longer enemy to you as the, the parent or the adult to your child self being able to feel those pains. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, the, what we're actually doing is giving our child self permission to feel what our caregivers didn't know how to allow us to feel. Because mm-hmm. most of our caregivers were as scared as we are to feel their pain. So they couldn't allow us to feel our pain. If a parent struggle with anxiety and they see anxiety with their child, they want to stop it in love because they don't want their child to feel anxious. Like they felt anxious well, because, their whole entire because the anxiety is the enemy. Exactly. The anxiety is the enemy. We need to at all lock, bolt, shut. Don't feel it no matter what, you know, suppress it, medicate it, do whatever you need to do to stay away from it. So we do that for ourselves. Then we teach our children to do the same instead of saying it's okay to feel anxiety. It's a messenger that's really telling you you're sad or you're scared or you're lonely and you need gifts. You need love. You need your emotional needs to be met. And that is not a problem. That's an opportunity. But if you don't feel safe enough to feel your anxiety, it's okay if you don't feel it too. But if you're starting, because you're walking through the compassion method, you're starting to understand your lack, you're starting to understand your pain, you're getting to a place that you're able to connect with it, this is the opportunity to give yourself permission to feel. And consistent repetition of permission and space to feel your emotions allows you 
to feel more normalized in feeling pain. It takes away the mystery. It takes away the monster in it. And now it's just pain. Looking at it as an opportunity is definitely much different than anything that we're typically taught. Because when you talk about anxiety being the enemy and we got to get rid of it at all costs, I mean, I really see so many things in society today. We've talked about this social media, different things, you know, that the algorithms are kind of designed to bring bring us to anxiety. Not that the algorithms are evil, it's just kind of their no, job. It just Keep, creates bigger emotions and bigger emotions you in and create more su- demand. Yeah. 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 So the uh so the world is, you know, a more anxious place potentially. I don't think that human beings have changed. I just think that no. we have different things hitting our buttons and we have way more things coming at us. So much yeah. more knowledge of the good and evil. We're definitely oversaturated that in that. Yeah. Yeah. We're 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 aware of things that shark biting someone's leg off that, you know, because we have 24 hour news cycles, we never would have heard about that story. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but now exactly. we, we hear about every story, Yeah, you know, but, and that makes our external world feel so much bigger. But the beautiful thing is it's still the same process, no matter how big our external world is that we can still be okay, regardless. So for further resources on how to learn how to comfort your pain and experience joy, comfort, pain, experience, joy. Um, I think that the episode five, the 10 gifts is really good. And I think all of our episodes are really good, but you know, <laughs> yeah. of course I'm just going to try to different like, pieces to it, but there are some co- more concentrated episodes that yes. focus more on the application of it. So episode five, the 10 gifts, episode six, we've mentioned this a few times, the remote control exercise, such a foundational episode to help you really understand like during that five minutes Laura was talking about like what am I going to do during that five minutes well the Mm -hmm. remote control exercise is a great thing to do during that five minutes I love how you put a time period on it so Mm -hmm. people are like how long is this gonna how long do I gotta feel this pain for all day five minutes will feel like a long time when you first begin great place to start yeah. So then another episode would be episode seven, which is Laura's personal journey through grief. Episode 10 is three practical ways to experience joy and heal pain. That's mm-hmm. a great one. Yep. Yeah. It'll be definitely connect with today's podcast. If you want to hear more about my personal journey through it, that's episode 18. And yeah, that's a great one. You have a lot of personal stories of processing your pain. It, it is so helpful when we're able to hear about other people's journey with them feeling pain because it gives us uh, roadmap and also the courage to face our own pain too. I think episode 25 would also be awesome uh, to re-listen to or to listen to the 10 gifts, which is 10 gifts part two, we called it. 10 gifts is really valuable of um, being able to find tangible sources of comfort. You know, it, it, they come in the form of the emotional needs, but they're also always going to bring comfort as well. That's a great resource when you're connecting to your pain. Yes. And then episode 33, emotions are not your enemy. Episode 34, learning to comfort grief and identify its hidden forms, which is really taking episode seven kind of to the next level. And episode 35, what happens when the pain is simply too big? Yeah, those are all all. great resources to either go back and re-listen to. um, And especially if you're finding yourself struggling, feeling your emotions. I don't want you to give a homework that's going to cause you to be stuck in your pain. And that's why we give you these resources to help you be able to feel your pain. And even if it's not, let's just say the first week you feel your pain for five minutes every day, but you never even get to comfort. That's okay. But eventually 
Feeling your pain will lead you to comfort and receiving that comfort will lead you to joy. And then of course there is, if you want to go next level, there is the Compassion Method Master Course, which can be found at CompassionMethod.net. And Laura is also starting her fall walkthrough, which is preparation for the school yeah. that she teaches. Um, yeah, you I'd just love give a, for you to join. Give a yeah. little, more, little more background on the fall walkthrough and what that yeah. entails. Yeah, the fall walkthrough is the master course. You'll be getting all the video on demand and going through that. But then each week for six weeks, or I believe it's seven weeks, um, you're going to be meeting with me and your classmates to be able to go through it on a more personal level. And the reason I love the walkthroughs is it's hard sometimes to do emotional work on your own. It's hard to go through the master course, even though it's set up for you to be able to do it on your own. When you get that help and support from myself, but also from being able to hear other people in the class, be able to share their story and me be able to ask or answer live questions, being able to um, walk through like the remote control exercise with a person that you get to watch and then you get to ask questions about. It just really brings it to life. I personally enjoy it because I love to be able to work with a lot of people, but it's hard to do one-on-ones with everyone, but to be able to have a group of you coming in from this podcast or from other sources that you've listened to us and being able to come and walk through it with me personally, I think it's so helpful for yourself and just such an enjoyment to see it come the compassion method to come to life to such a greater degree. Yeah, I highly recommend it. And then talk a little bit about the school that follows that. Yeah. So after you do the fall walkthrough, then you have the opportunity to apply for our school in January. I'm really excited about that because that teaches you how to be a, a compassion method consultant yourself. But so much feedback we're getting from the students is it's just that next level and going so much deeper for themselves to be able to get it simultaneously as they're learning how to give it to other people. And I love that two-part process in the school because it makes you go so much deeper with yourself, but then you can also be able to use that as an opportunity to help others too. Wonderful. Thank you, Laura. Yeah. I highly recommend all of it. I've done it all. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so now, so now I actually just received my certificate. I'm officially a, what am I, what's my title? I'm a compassion method consultant. Official. <laughs> officially. Officially. All right. Well, thank you, Laura, for sharing all that. And we gave a lot of homework this time. So, we did. Yeah. Uh, but I think as you go on this journey, the more we give you homework and you start to apply, the better. Over the next three weeks, you've got some things to do. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank right. you all for joining us. We love yep. being able to Thank share you. this. Yeah. Yep. Till next time. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of Triggered and True. We hope that you enjoyed it. As a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, go to triggeredandtrue.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click ask. And if you would like to learn more about the Compassion Method, be sure to check out the Compassion Method Master Course, which can be purchased at CompassionMethod.net. And as a podcast listener, you qualify for a $50 discount, which can be obtained by typing in the coupon code PODCAST50. Again, that's CompassionMethod.net, coupon code PODCAST50. Thank you again. Goodbye.